Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show, I am joined by staff from ASRM's Office of Public Affairs in Washington, D.C., Sean Tipton, who is the Chief Policy, Advocacy, and Development Officer, and Becca O'Connor, who is the Director of Government Affairs, who will reflect on progress and impact to date on ASRM's public policy priorities within the Biden administration and the 117th Congress. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Sean, uh, I'll start with you. How has ASRM worked to ensure that our priorities are front of mind for the Biden administration and the 117th Congress so far? Well, of course, that kind of work begins early. We, we know, you know, it's no surprise for in, in 2020 that we were in an election year. And so uh, we knew there was going to officially be a new Congress as there is every two years. And we thought there was a pretty good shot that there was going to be a new administration uh, but you can prepare these things for an administration, even when you don't know when, and that's really the kind of the way to do it. So, so we sat down over the summer of 2020 as a public affairs staff and and talked about and thought through what ASRM's priorities should be, and then um, spent some time working with the leadership from the board of directors of ASRM and talking to members and and thinking about what was possible in the policy context. And in the fall, then, working through the new ASRM Center for Policy and Leadership, we produced what, what we in the lobbying biz call a transition document or a transition report. Um, and that is the, the really, really shorthand way to think about it is it's a shopping list. What does ASRM want out of the federal government the next two to four years? And that's really what we put together. And so we got that done uh, in time for the campaigns to still be going. And so we reached out to, to both campaigns and made sure that, that they saw our document. Now, the, the campaigns were set up quite differently and there, and there were designated policy staffers working on the Biden-Harris campaign and we were able to find out who they were. In some cases, we knew them anyway because you know both Beck and I have worked in Washington for a long time. Uh, so we were able to engage them at that level during the campaign uh, and on a couple specific issues, which we can get into a little bit. So I'll, I'll focus on the process for now, and then we can get into the substance of the, of the specific policy questions a little bit later. Um, and then after the election, and, and this is typical, most candidates have set up a transition staff of some type, even before the election is over, so they can hit the ground running right after the election. And again, we this is what you do in Washington. You know who these people are. And we reached out to them to say, here's what we think are important, in particular, a, a couple issues uh, the, the most important, I think, uh, of which has been getting access for active duty military personnel to appropriate reproductive health care. So uh, right now, you, under very limited circumstances, uh, our, our active duty military staff can get and their families can get access to infertility care. That needs to be expanded dramatically to be a meaningful benefit. So we talked a lot about that and we talked about some of the restrictions and some of the political issues related to reproductive medicine as well. So you start that process and then you're doing the same thing with members of Congress. As elections come down and you start seeing how things are gonna be organized, which party's gonna be in control, that starts telegraphing who the individual members of Congress are gonna be chairing certain committees that we're gonna care about. And you get to them and start getting to them and their staffs. And the whole concept is there's gonna be competition for time and attention of issues. And you wanna get your issues into that mix. And so when you put together a report the way we did, it lays it out. It's a nice resource for staff. 
as they're trying to make those priority decisions and make recommendations for their, their bosses. So that's really what we did during the first couple months of uh, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. And we've been working on, or I should say ASRM has been working on the military thing for quite a few years now. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's been, we've been nibbling at it. We made uh, some important progress over the last four years or so, uh, getting access to coverage for uh, people and for the VA population, for, for veterans. It's um, the, pol- the, the challenge is the current policy says you can get access to infertility care if your infertility is due to a service-related injury. And that happens, and and sadly, and tragically, it's you know it's probably happened more in our long-running uh, actions in Afghanistan and, and in Iraq than it had in other places. But it's still a very limited pool, and obviously, there's lots of need beyond uh, that caused by active service uh, injury. Uh, and and to and the Veterans Administration kind of mimics that policy. So so we're going now to try to improve the coverage for the militaries. Again, we did well thanks to people like Senator Patty Murray. And the VA, at least now, is covering some infertility therapy. And the staff at the VA are very committed to making this happen. We've got to get them some help, and we've got to expand it to active duty military. So that's been a big issue, but it's not the only one. Um, I mean, we've been working on um, medical research funding, uh, getting adequate funding in general for the agencies that our members care about the most, which includes the National Institutes of Health, the Centers for Disease Control, and FDA. Uh, but also making sure within those agencies that they are paying attention and providing the resources that are appropriate for reproductive care. And that sometimes takes a little bit of advocacy work because, you know, as we all know, reproductive care is a little bit controversial in some areas. It's not, you know, you think it'd literally be bombs and apple pie, but, but somehow it doesn't get the benefit of that. And so we have to remind people that, hey, this is an important issue and you need to treat it as such. Beck, I want to turn to you for this next question. Uh, what challenges and opportunities has the last six months with a city all but locked down by COVID, for example, presented as you work to communicate ASRM's policy priorities? Yeah, sure. Well, it's certainly been a year like none other um, on Capitol Hill and across the world, but particularly on Capitol Hill, where so much of what we do is transactional in the sense of that in-person communication with members of Congress and their staff and agency leaders. And um, and we just haven't had the opportunity for those in-person communications. Normally, by now, I would have had a checklist of all the new members in the 117th Congress, and we would have um, been face-to-face with as many staff members as possible. But we haven't let... Um, the shutdowns be a hindrance to that forward momentum and to maintaining and even building new relationships. Uh, Like so many others, we've used technology to make this happen. And, you know, I'd say that we've definitely made lemonade out of the situation um, insofar as it in some ways has enabled us, as we've talked about on earlier episodes of this podcast, and generally speaking, um, bring people into these conversations that otherwise may have been geographically prohibited from being participatory. So for instance, at our advocacy day um, last month, we had folks from all across the country um, participate in conversations with decision makers, and and it didn't require a plane ticket or a hotel room. Um, And so while it's not ideal, um, we're doing the best we can, like other organizations, and, and individuals to make sure that we're having as much um, direct contact with these offices as possible and, and being the squeaky wheel to make sure, as Sean said, you know, it's, it, you have to compete for that attention and we're doing everything we can to make that happen. 
and hopefully in the coming months, things will continue to trend upward so we can continue to have more offices open and and more people will be present. Uh, Sean, I want to go back to to talking about with you some of the actual agenda items that you guys are posing. Your team has set forth an ambitious agenda for the current administration and and, and the Congress. Uh, What progress have you seen so far? Well, of course, legislation always takes longer than just executive action, and so that's not too surprising. So things are are turning, but that's a slower process. Now, uh, through executive order, the Biden administration has, and, and some other executive mechanism, the Biden administration has has done some uh, policy, taken some policy positions that will directly impact ASRM members and their patients. Uh, for one, the State Department reversed a policy which was <clears throat> denying citizenship and entrance to the country in some cases, to children of same-sex couples who had been born abroad. So same-sex couple went abroad, used a gestational carrier from another country. It was, it was very difficult and actually, at the end of the Trump administration, became literally impossible to get that child back into the country. Uh, as we worked on that towards the tail end of the Trump administration, it became a little frustrating because they kept turning personnel over so fast. And so we would just literally, we would get a meeting with somebody, and then before we actually hold the meeting, they wouldn't be in that position anymore. So uh, it was a little challenging. So we were happy to see that happen. And I think that's a direct benefit. Um, And and it was something we raised during the transition with the Biden people. Um, They lifted a global gag rule, which prohibited agencies from getting U.S. US funding of any kind from ever mentioning abortion. So this is known as the Mexico City Agreement. Um, But but they did it so that, for example, um, some kind of charitable organization in a developing country that got money from USAID, if they had another wing that did reproductive health, they couldn't even mention the word abortion if they got money, say, to help with people planting crops. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a dangerous precedent. Um, uh, the Biden administration had withdrew us from what was came to be known as the Geneva Consensus, which was stating that there was no right to an abortion, that that should be considered an international human right. So the U.S. is now not a party to that agreement. Uh, there was a similar gag rule on on the domestic front. So this was uh, particularly in the Title X program, which funds, provides federal funding for contraceptive services and public health agencies. Those organizations, if they got money from the federal government, they too were banned from mentioning abortion ever. So for example, a physician who had prescribed contraceptives to somebody and they had failed or not been used correctly. And that patient came back to them and said, gee, doc, now I'm pregnant because of the my birth control didn't work. That physician was prohibited from even mentioning the possibility that abortion was an option. Um, not that they did it, could do it at that federally funded clinic, but even to say, I can't do this, but you might, but it is, it is a medical technology and, and procedure that exists and maybe you should look into it. Uh, and lastly, the Trump administration had uh, sought to impose restrictions on federal federally funded researchers working with fetal tissue. And that was an issue, I'm old enough that that was one of the earliest issues I worked on when I came to Washington in the early 90s. That's that's how long that president had been in place. And the Trump administration sought to undo that consensus and and impose a view that was going to dramatically restrict access to that tissue. And fetal tissue is an important tool. It's not just important in the reproductive context, but as we have seen with the rapid development of some of the COVID vaccines, um, fetal tissue is an important research modality for comparing new drugs as they come on the market. And so we felt it was very important to get that, uh, have that avenue and that resource to available to federally funded researchers again. Becca, is there any additional progress on ASRM's priorities that you wish to highlight? 
Sure, absolutely. So picking up the thread that Sean dropped there, um, in May, the Department of Health and Human Services effectively overturned a Trump-era rule by announcing that it will interpret and enforce the Affordable Care Act protections on the basis of sex to include discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation. And in announcing this move, DHHS Secretary Becerra said that the department takes a position that, quote, everyone, including LGBTQ people, should be able to access health care free from discrimination, period. So that was a significant reform that directly impacts and advances the notion of healthcare equity and is in keeping with ASRM's priorities and stance. And then secondly, this spring, the Biden administration removed a requirement that said that one of the drugs involved in medication abortion, mifepristone, could only be dispensed in person. And access to the medication has been at the center of a legal fight for some time now in response uh, to a lawsuit last summer um, where ASRM joined other leading medical organizations on an amicus brief to um, to echo support for this, um, remote access to the drug without the requirement of in-person dispensation was approved. And, you know, it was a significant shift because earlier the Supreme Court had sided with the Trump administration and reinstated the in-person dispensation requirement and citing um, the the dangers of COVID transmission, among other things, um, the Biden administration's FDA um, lifted this requirement requirement of an in-person dispensation. So again, that's another significant victory for women's health in pretty short time, um, given that we are only about six months into this administration. It sounds like there's such a great deal of work being done and it still needs, of course, to be done as, as Sean was describing earlier. I got one more question. We're almost out of time. Uh, Sean, what will you and the office up there in Washington, D.C. be focusing on in the weeks and months ahead? Well, as you say, we're recording this in the middle of July, and in, in my experience in the congressional calendar, it's sort of appropriations high season. So you start really trying to get the where the rubber meets the road in terms of what the federal government is going to spend its money on. So we actually think that getting the coverage for military personnel is probably going to happen in a spending bill rather than a freestanding bill. So we're going to be working um, working those channels. And uh, church, so, so July is a lot of the kind of technical stuff that gets going. And then we'll probably see some of this in the fall. I think most of us in town, given the, the very tight margins in the Senate, expect that we're going to have, um, <clears throat> again, it's probably going to end up with what we call in Washington some sort of omnibus, which means a broad throw a bunch of stuff in a spending bill at once as opposed to usually used to do 13 spending bills in a year. So we think over the summer and fall, we're going to be doing a lot of work, again, funding for medical research and trying to get funding for coverage of expanded infertility services for military personnel. So these things may be quiet. They may, you know, they may not get a lot of public attention, but we're going to be working them very hard nevertheless. And sometimes that's a better way to get things done, to be honest with you. Not everything needs to be a big fight. And I think one thing we have seen in the last couple of years is uh, the more it becomes a fight, the more likely it is to get paralysis and no action. And we want to avoid that. We think we're going to have a lot of Republican support for expanding the, the uh, family building services in the military. We think that's a bipartisan issue and, and we're going to pursue it that way. Well, personally, I would just want to thank you both for all the work that you do 
every day, fighting what must seem like an, an impossible fight uh, up there, the old rolling the rock up the hill, uh, as as it were. My guests today were Becca O'Connor and Sean Tipton. Thank you both for coming on to give our listeners an update on this. Happy Thanks so much. Please subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.